CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And while at you are at the site, look for our New Year New Book Giveaway banner and you could win an international bestseller on business and IT strategy. You can also check out the contest through our social media. And as always, we invite you to join our discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live and hashtag Change Management. Today's topic is effective lasting change and our guests for today's show are Dr. Roger Dean Duncan who's a speaker executive coach and an author good morning doctor how are you good morning how are you I am good very well so how's life treating you life is very good very good all right great great so you are enjoying the new year festivities of course are done we are done partying now back to serious business how's the new year treating you I don't remember having any parties. Is it a new year already? <laughs> uh, tell me about that. Yeah, great. So thanks thanks for uh, being uh, joining the, the show here. And uh, we also have Sanjeev uh, Sani Bhagawalia, who's the CIO for the state of Hawaii. Good morning, Sanjeev. How are you doing? Aloha from Hawaii. Yeah, see, I, I love that. I love that sound. So you already must be ready to hit the beach, are you? Uh, yeah, you know, it's a little, uh, the, the sun hasn't come up yet, but, uh, you know, we're here uh, giving an early start to the program. Yeah, so, so this is awesome. So I'm sure you had a pot of coffee and ready to roll. Thank you again for <laughs> yes, joining. Yes, I think, uh, well, we have a really good topic and I'm ready to roll. Great. So, and also we have Daniel Trainer, who's the senior vice president and CIO for Tennessee Valley Authority. That's TVA. Good morning, Dan. How are you doing? Good morning. Doing quite well. Thank you for having me. Yep. So you got people from all over the place. How are you feeling in New Year's? Is it is it twenty hour day still, or you're just getting getting ready? Well, the job of a CIO is always a twenty hour day, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so no golf for you. Not that much practice there. Not much. Not not as much as I'd like. I'll say that. Uh, yeah, sure. So coming to the topic that we have picked up today, we are saying affecting lasting change and change is such a favorite word for most of the folks out there, whether it's business or technology. And we are always trying to handle the multiple uh, or juggle the multiple balls that we have. And so what is it about change that we don't get or don't know how to deal and or cope up with? Uh, Dr. Uh, Roger Dean Duncan, this is a question for you. Let's get started there. Well, I, I'm reminded of what our old family obstetrician used to say. He said, for many folks, it's easier to conceive than to deliver. And that doesn't apply just to making babies. It also applies to dealing with change. For many people, change is indeed a daunting task. But for people who learn to deal with change effectively, it can be exciting, exhilarating, energizing, and even rejuvenating. Now, change takes, takes us out of our comfort zones, and that produces stress. And it's often the stress that people resist, not the change itself. Even positive change produces stress. You can just ask anyone who's planning a wedding. So it's the stress that people 
have to deal with. And there are a lot of things that we can do to <clears throat> reduce the stress and make the change more palatable and, and enlist uh, sponsorship and champions. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. But we need to understand that any change, at least at the beginning, is going to have stress. In fact, along the way, uh, any of us who've dealt with change know that uh, uh, there are milestones of stress. There's some early warning signs that I'd be happy to talk about if you'd like. Uh, one of them is, well, they go back to the metaphor, sort of like tornadoes. In my part of the country here in the U.S., we, we have what we call tornado alley. And, and it's very rough weather. Resistance comes with its own set of early warning signs. Uh, one early warning sign would, might be confusion. Uh, no matter how carefully you've tried to make a case for your change, some people simply won't get it. It's not that they're trying to give you a hard time. They just don't yet understand the implications of the change that you're proposing. Now, they'll often ask questions like, so why are we doing this? Or how is this going to impact my budget? Or what will this do to my reporting relationships? What will this mean for my current situation? In other words, what's in it for me? And we shouldn't be troubled by this. We should expect it because people have a natural tendency to absorb information that reinforces their current paradigms. And we have a, a natural tendency to filter out data that contradict or threaten our current views or situations. We, we need to be, <coughs> excuse me, we need to be patient with our people. And you'll likely need to explain your change plans over and over and over. Another early warning sign would be silence. Uh, let's say you make your presentation and people sit in stone silence. Uh, are they stunned by your brilliance? Uh, do they unanimously agree with you? Or are they simply too shy to talk? Uh, silence can be tough to handle because it's sort of like lassoing the cloud. Um, never assume that silence necessarily means acceptance. Silence can mean acceptance, but it can also mean anything from, I don't have a clue what you're talking about, to I'll do what you're asking only when hell freezes over. Uh, one, way to prime the, one way to prime the discussion pump is to ask a series of unasked questions, real questions that you anticipate people might want to ask but are uncomfortable in asking because they don't want to come across as impertinent or misinformed or just plain stupid. You have a comment? All right. So, so um, of course, you know, you provided us a couple of uh, warning signs or the type of signs we should look when the change while we are trying to bring is not being received properly. So, Sonny, in your world, when you are trying to bring about change or whenever you have even announced that we are going to uh, go in that direction where something is going to be changed, what is the first gut reaction that you're seeing out there? I think people are apprehensive. Uh, I think, uh, you know, people, as uh, the doctor said, uh, what's in it for me? And that is true around the world. I mean, uh, you know, I've been in many different places in industry, in the Boeing Company, in, uh, in uh, uh, you know, U.S. government, federal government, and now state government. And I think it's universal across the, uh, all the landscape. Uh, people first try to figure out, is this going to help me or is this going to hurt me? Uh, what's in it for me, how does it affect me, and then you have to change that discussion to something as to, you know, what do you want change to be? 
in the immortal words of uh, uh, you know Mahatma Gandhi, he says, "We must become the change we want to see in the world." And I believe in that maxim because it's a very simple but a very powerful concept that the change that you want to see, you know, you've got to be part of that. The question is, how do you get people to do that? And that's the hard part. I think uh, we in Hawaii, uh, through the uh, superb uh, vision of the governor, is try, uh, we're trying to do change on three levels. Uh, business transformation, which is how we do business processes to serve the citizens and residents of Hawaii. Uh, also, technology. You know, how can technology and information make things easier in this new digital age where everything is instantaneous and available? And third, organizational culture, which is, you know, what is the reward structure for them to really make this stuff happen? So I think all three dimensions are, are required. And, and again, that change isn't easy. It's hard. But uh, the what's in it for me is what we've got to solve. So I think people have apprehension, but you've got to change that to something that, hey, this is exciting. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do in Hawaii. We are doing a major transformation that allows us to bring all three together and then uh, we have the spirit of uh, Lokahi and Laulima, which means collaboration and the Aloha spirit, which is, by the way, in the law, believe it or not. And the Aloha spirit is, I think, how we're trying to uh, make that change happen. Now, with that said, that, that the fun side of bringing about change versus pushing something down anybody's throat. So, Dan, in your world, whenever you've, I'm sure, uh, as, as, as a leader, you have been tasked with bringing about change in different capacities. So, do you think... What has worked? The spare the rod, spoil the child, or allow to bring flowers on a regular basis for them to 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 comply? I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? I'm uh, saying, do you see a strict way? Uh, what is the approach that you use to bring about or initiate the change? Is it always remain fun? Uh, filled uh, environment and just kind of create that spirit or you have to bring some seriousness in order for people to see the gravity that if we don't change we perish well I think there's a, uh, it's a combination of both things uh, you know one of the things that that Sonny talked about I think is very true that you, you've, you've got to um, you know engage people in it and, and I think one of the reasons people are reluctant is they perceive risk with any change and and maybe perceive that it's safer to stay where they are but the fact is that you know everything is changing around us, and we need to change. Whether you know, a great example is what's happened with REM and the BlackBerry. You know they failed to respond to the changes in the market, and now Apple's taken almost all their share. And in the U.S. market, they're still pretty healthy in Europe. But uh, you know you, they had an opportunity, I think, to to build a, a first a very exciting uh, platform for change within their within their company. But then after that, they had a, a, an opportunity to, to build what uh, we are commonly refer to as a burning platform. Hey, if we don't change, then we're going to perish. But uh, you can do both, I think, to, to affect uh, meaningful change. Now, would you think that if you are going about asking for change and you are the one who's holding the bag if the change happens or does not, should you be the only one get fired? <laughs> well, you know, real real change certainly requires involvement of many, but it it usually starts with one brave soul. You know, you think about Newton's first law. You know, a body at rest tends to stay at rest. A body at motion tends to, to stay in motion. So somebody's got to light that spark. Somebody's got to provide that, that um, motivation uh, to make things different. Um, so, yeah, certainly the person that starts it, and everybody's been in the room when, you know, and may have been, been personally affected, you come up with a great idea, and the boss says, yeah, it is a great idea. Why don't you do that? 
So there is a certain amount of responsibility when, when you are the one that lights the spark. And, uh, but you do need, you certainly do need uh, sponsorship and air cover from above if you're going to be successful as a change leader. So, Sandy, what is that that you have been doing differently for uh, your organization when a change is initiated? Do you say, I'm going to just spark, like ignite that spark? And then I want my team to take over so that, number one, I'm not the only one responsible. Number two, by the very approach of bringing everybody along, you've got higher chances of success. Or you say, I'm going to be the torchbearer and I'm going to run, just run as fast as I can. And let's see what other other people can do. You know, this is interesting what we're doing in Hawaii. Now, I'm from the D.C. and I'm from Washington, D.C. So I'm a typical go-getter kind of guy in federal government. And, you know, we I was part of the open government movement. And also I've served in uh, different places in law enforcement, intelligence community. So I've seen both sides of closed environments and open environments. And now in Hawaii, we do things a little differently. I mean, it's aloha spirit. It's bringing everybody together in collaboration. So I gotta, now we've got to bring change in different dimensions. So this is a very interesting case study here where we are really, for example, change happens at many levels. At the first, I mean, you know, it happens at the top. The, the senior leadership commitment is absolutely essential. So the governor and myself and all the cabinet, you know, we need to make sure we lead by example. And it's a little bit of the Asian culture as well here, where, and the Hawaiian culture, which you've got to get everyone involved. So uh, at the middle there, you have to make sure that the management team on all the cabinet departments and the various attached agencies, we have 18 departments, 108 attached agencies, and 168 boards and commissions in the, in the state. Uh, so we have to get everyone in, in involved in that. And I think and the third thing is, uh, you know, the actual workforce. And to me, that's the real change agent and the force multiplier. So what we're trying to do is have continuous communication with them, make sure they understand that they are doing something that is larger for the citizens and residents of Hawaii and their neighbors, uh, their, their, uh, their relatives, their, you know, the people they serve. And, you know, when you bring that to the equation, I think people get a certain energy and a certain uh, uh, commitment. And everyone wants to have a little fun in life. Yeah? No one wants to come in and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to be miserable today. <laughs> you know? Everyone wants to do something good. And, and I think we're trying to extol those virtues of uh, let's do something good here. We have this great opportunity to leapfrog into the digital age. Uh, we're behind the times a little bit here, and, you know, we published a plan. And now we need to execute the plan, and everyone's involved. So it is everyone's responsibility. And I think when you bring that spirit and constant communications and make sure it's safe, you've got to also set up a reward structure that it's safe for them to come in, yeah? And safe means that, hey, leadership says, you know, I'm responsible for making this thing. So, if, you know, something goes bad, I take responsibility. But it's safe for you to come and make the change. That's what's going on, and we've done that. So, for example, we did a tax business process engineering, and that clearly showed that we were, for the first time in our history, able to do 300% faster tax returns and also processing. So, you know, so, and people did that. None, you know, so I think you've got to give them a tool, you've got to give them a process, but at the end of the day, you've got to make it safe for them to make change happen. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Dr. Duncan, when we come back, would like to understand if there is a very uh, visible difference in the change initiatives that have been successful and the ones which are not as successful. And what are those? What were some of the best things that were done which contributed towards the success and what were some of the gotchas which people did not look for and that caused the failure. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So we have the next question for Dr. Duncan. What we, are, what we have seen so far in the conversations we have had is that uh, Sonny mentioned that there should be, everybody should be brought along, there should be fun spirit and, and things of that nature. Then uh, we had Dan mentioned that we have to have uh, some responsibilities and it is not going to be an easy thing for people to come along at, at first, but then we have to work towards it. With all that said, uh, Dr. Duncan, the question here is, have you seen a pattern since you wrote a book on this whole subject, and as you must have interviewed people, is there a pattern that you see for organizations which actually saw successful ongoing change and they have been able to keep uh, that success rate high versus the companies which we have tried multiple times and miserably failed? What What is the difference, visible difference between the strategies used and the pitfalls and gotchas that they did not look at? Well, I see a number of uh, common denominators. Um, in those change efforts that, that fail to meet uh, the stated goals or expectations, one of the common denominators seems to be a tendency to try to squash down resistance, to re- regard resistance as a bad thing. Um, let, let's realize that if we are trying to bring about change, we ourselves are resisting the status quo. So sometimes uh, the folks who are resisting the change, in fact, often they might be asking questions. They might be challenging the methodology in a way that could be very helpful to us. So as we mentioned earlier, it's really critical to create and maintain an environment where people feel comfortable and safe in speaking up. Because when you engage them appropriately, um, you, you can sometimes be pleasantly surprised about what you can learn. And a change, of course, does not occur in uh, isolation. No matter how brilliant our ideas may be, no matter how compelling our case for action, no matter how much personal credibility we think we may have, our change will not succeed without engaging the collaborative involvement of others. Uh, give you an example. I have a colleague named Dave who is a seasoned change consultant, and he tells the story of working with a manufacturing firm. And the CEO uh, 
owner had an idea for four minor process changes that he was certain would dramatically improve throughput and productivity and reduce unit cost of the product and free up time on the production line. So at 7 o'clock one morning, the CEO met with the production workers and showed them sketches of his idea, followed by his order to make it happen. And then later that same day, the CEO checked on the line, and nothing whatsoever had changed. Now, this was a very short-term thing, but it still illustrates the point. And he was dumbstruck. He couldn't believe that uh, a commandment brought down from the mountaintop by the CEO himself didn't get results immediately. He was amazed that he didn't see unquestioned obedience. So he called my colleague Dave, the change consultant, and here's the conversation that um, Dave reported to me, something like this. Dave said, how often do you see your people? And the CEO said, four times a year, just like clockwork. I have a meeting with the production people. If I can't be there, I send a, a video. And then Dave said, what do you think, or who do you think has the most influence with your production people? You or the guys who supervise them every day? And the CEO said, this is one of those questions where if I get it wrong, you're going to be disappointed in me, aren't you? Now, the CEO in that case made a classic mistake of ignoring the necessity of engaging people. So that leads me to one of the common denominators of successful change efforts, and that would be what we call cascading sponsorship. Now, there are several kinds of sponsorship. You clearly need an authorizing sponsor, somebody who can authorize the budget. Uh, but you also need a series of reinforcing sponsors throughout the organization. And often we see in change efforts what we might call sort of a black hole. There's a lot of enthusiasm at the top about a certain change effort, but somewhere in the middle of the organization, it just totally dissipates. And that's because we have not uh, engaged the heads, hearts, and hopes of people inside the organization and had that cascading sponsorship. So I think that's one of the, uh, that's a couple of the things that are really critical. One, make sure you have an environment where people feel comfortable speaking up and challenging the status quo. And two, make sure that you have cascading sponsorship for the change. Now, very, very, very valid points that you have uh, shared, Dr. Duncan. Now, Dan, you you would, as an IT leader, be in an interesting position because you're supposed to bring about change, which not only impacts the IT's internal operations, but how business uses technology to bring about, uh, you know, reduced time to value or profitability and things of that nature. Some people who are affected and are contributing towards change, you control because they report to you, whether directly or indirectly. Others who are the majority, which is the business community, they are not reporting to you, so you can at most influence. If at all, there will be definitely there would be cases where you cannot even influence because they're too far away from you. Now, when in the position that you are as a leader, how would you go about bringing a pervasive change where even people who are very, very farther removed from you are still able to see the big picture and follow you as a pipe piper? 
Well, if you're talking about, um, <clears throat> you know, for instance, a major application rollout or, or something like that, I mean, um, it, it's it, you've got to have sponsorship. You know, I, I can't be the only sponsor in a situation like that. I've got to have sponsorship from the business and engagement uh, on their side as well in order to affect that change. And, uh, you know, I always like to, to push beyond just you know, the technology solution. It's about people, process, and technology. And, um, you know, the process aspect of it is, you know, if we're rolling out a, a new application, we certainly don't want to um, automate or re-automate a bad process. Uh, you know, it's, I refer to that as paving over cow pass. Uh, we have an opportunity to build a new road here. And then, of course, uh, you're, you're affecting the jobs of the people who perform the work and will be using the application. So the change management aspect uh, of the people needs to be uh, taken taken very, very seriously. And, and that includes engaging from the most early uh, parts of the, uh, of the project and continues on all the way through, through implementation uh, and engaging in the, the immediate um, days after implementation and, and seeing how things are going and ensuring that, that new people get the right training, et cetera. Um, so, you know, it's, it's about engagement. It's about involvement. It's about um, also, you know, um, making sure there's a compelling case for this change. I mean, people are not going to get on board unless they see at the other end of the change that there's something of value there for them. Now, I know long time back we did a show, My CIO is an Alien. So what we were trying to uh, talk about there is that many times because of the pressure from the top, CIOs might end up doing things which might alienate the community, whether some part of IT or maybe many of the business folks. So how do you go about doing your alien check? And Sonny, this is a, a question for you. How do you go about doing an alien check and proactively fix that problem, if at all, and of course you will be in your position, required to bring multiple change initiatives to fruition? I guess the first thing is to make sure you're not from Area 51, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think seriously, uh, what you got to do is, uh, first of all, I mean, uh, you know, get the commitment from the top. Uh, you got to make sure you have a plan and, you know, plan the work and then work the plan. I think uh, that's what we've done here. Uh, you got to communicate, communicate, communicate. And at the end of the day, we got to make it safe and you got to give them a reward structure so that everyone gets something out of it. And it starts off, uh, uh, I'm sure you don't have politics all around the world, you know. Uh, we got to work it. I mean, you gotta, you got to make sure that uh, you have a way for everyone to feel like they're part of the change and they're making things happen. And it's uh, it's okay to uh, to fail at times, but uh, fail fast, fail forward, and and keep going. And I think that's what we're trying to do. So our governor is very clear that we are trying to actually you know have something that uh, this transformation change transcends politics and transcends administrations. It's about serving the people of Hawaii with a more effective and efficient government, so that we can serve them better through a digital government. You know, we're about 30 years behind, so this organizational change management is key to the success. As was mentioned earlier. It's about people, process, policy, technology, and culture. And I think all these things have to come together. In my experiences, I've been in six transformation changes in my career. And I still remember the Boeing company long ago, great company, great American company, Fortune 20, uh, 
three organizations came together, but at the end of the day, you know, everyone was looking at what's in it for them. There was trepidation, and we, we got through it, uh, similar to uh, in my government experience. So I think here as well, we're trying to make sure that everyone understands what is the plan. We've published a plan that's a 10-year transformation plan. We are uh, making things happen with agile projects every, uh, every uh, three months to get a, a milestone out. We're making sure that there's a line of business ownership. Uh, here are the projects that we expect you to do. And then make it safe with the process. Give them some way to give them tools and methodology to make it happen. So I think we're trying to do all of it to make it happen, but it requires continuous engagement and communication and outreach. And I think that's really key. The, the pressure has to come from the stakeholders. And by the way, the stakeholders include the public, industry, legislators, uh, obviously the cabinet, but at the end of the day, all of this stuff, if you get success, success is the, is, the, is the currency that everyone likes. Success lifts all boats, and that's what we're trying to do. So over and over during this conversation, I've heard this magic word engagement. And so, Dr. Duncan, we can, we can definitely look for engagement as a prerequisite for change. Realistically, do you think all people involved and are in or are in some form or fashion influenced or they would benefit or get impacted by change would really be engaged in the first place should there be a consensus or a pervasive engagement check done before a change initiative should be kicked off or is it like a work in progress well there's no doubt that the more people who support and are actively engaged in the change the better a genuine engagement is always a key to success with change, as has been underscored here. Here's what I tell my clients. The second most expensive thing that can happen in your organization is for your best and brightest people to quit and leave. That is really expensive. But even more expensive than that is when your best and brightest people quit and stay. Now, here's what I mean when I use the term engagement. I mean the harnessing of people's energy, their ingenuity, their allegiance to their work roles. In my view, a person is engaged when he feels positive emotions toward his work, when he regards his work as personally meaningful, when he considers his workload to be manageable, when he has positive expectations or, or even hope about the future of his work. In other words, people may, said, may be said to be engaged when they have a strong sense of psychological ownership of their work. Now, engagement is not just some soft feel-good factor. It has serious consequences that should be mindfully tended to by anyone who's serious about productivity, effective change, good business results, etc. Now, with the current job insecurity, at least in some uh, sections of our country with the economy the way it is, one might assume that people would focus even more on their jobs and be more engaged than ever. But in a time of psychological recession, as one expert calls it, I think many workers are less engaged than ever. Having witnessed years of eroding corporate loyalties, organizational downsizing, job losses to globalization, unstable employment, fragile trust, and, and all of that, a lot of workers seem to have adopted kind of a pessimistic view. They invest growing amounts of, of energy in telling themselves 
what we would call victim, villain, and helpless stories. Now, in times of instability, others try to stay off the cut list by working harder and longer than ever to demonstrate their value. But, but even that noble effort can produce unintended consequences like job burnout. And I don't think any of us would want that with our people. So back to the question, can we realistically expect everyone tasked with enabling change to be engaged? I believe it's fair to say that at any given moment in the typical organization, there will be some people who are not fully engaged in terms of the definition I gave earlier. But in some instances, that can be acceptable as long as they do not actively try to subvert the efforts of the people who are engaged. Again, managing resistance and lack of engagement is one of the CIO's or any leader's primary roles. And we should remember this. Again, change does not occur in a vacuum. Neither does resistance. Now, I, I've seen uh, change efforts uh, enjoy tremendous success where there were fairly obvious instances of people who were not engaged, um, but at least they were not allowed to subvert the effort. They just did their work. They, they, they really weren't, quote, on board with the change, but they weren't undermining it either. So, if you, you know, if you've got... Well, I think Dan has about 650 people or maybe more in his organization. My guess is there might be a handful who aren't totally on board with the change he's trying to bring about at TVA. But I also know that a lot of great change is happening in the IT world at TVA, and that's because uh, he has a, a good sense of cascading sponsorship and uh, is doing a lot of things to reinforce the change, and those people who are engaged are really getting after it. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, when we are back, uh, I'd like to ask you, Dan, the question about turbulence. When we have customers, we want to say, no, 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 let's, let's not create any turbulence at that end because we have to maintain those customers. But whenever we talk about change internally, the reason the fear exists is because people have seen that turbulence, we have everything out and open. Is there a way we could run a project like uh, as if we were building an underground railway system where there's a lot of digging going on, a lot of change management and, or, or projects that are going on, a lot of digging that's going on, but we don't see an ounce of dirt at the top. Can you make that change that smooth so that people internally, instead of being fearful, say, you know what, this is going to help us, it's going to be not as turbulent, so let's uh, lend a hand. Please stay tuned, we'll be right back and explore. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Dan, about the turbulence, do you think we really need to have a turbulent change where everybody gets impacted, a lot is demanded at all times from everyone, so it becomes like a next time you are even even announced or show uh, an inkling of a change coming down or impending, uh, people get fearful and they start rejecting it or showing uh, you know, reluctance in adopting it? Well, you know, I don't think it's necessary for people to get fearful. We talked about that earlier. You know, there are two ways to <clears throat> to uh, initiate change. You know, one one is to paint a very attractive picture of the future state and incent people to move that way. The other is the building, the burning platform. But uh, I don't really think it's possible to, uh, you know, to to not break eggs while you're baking a cake, so to speak. Uh, you know, people got got to understand that uh, things are going to be different, need to be different, and, uh, you know, change is hard work, um, quite frankly. And transformation, which is really what we're doing at, uh, at TVA, is even harder, really hard work. And there is a difference, you know. You change your clothes every day, or at least I hope you do, but a caterpillar transformed into a butterfly. That's pretty significant, you know. <clears throat> and you don't, you don't get that kind of change. Uh, without without having some upheaval, some um, uh, you know some impacts, um, and, and really you know fundamentally, uh, what I believe is for for real significant sustainable change to happen, it has to come from the inside out. Meaning the outcome really is us at the end of the day. It's not just about the processes and the technology. It's about changing mindsets. It's about changing attitudes. It's about changing expectations. You see this all the time in the sports world, where uh, you know a team that's that's lo- used to losing uh, makes it very it's a very difficult situation for a new new coach to come into. He's got to change the attitude first. They got to believe they can win before they're going to win. Very very good answer. Now, Sonny, in your world, when you are trying to bring about change, now do you have to go to a grooming school, wear a nice suit, and look all charismatic for you to bring about change, or there's something else? Well, in Hawaii, you know, I got to give up my suits, uh, so people are surprised that in DC <laughs> they never saw me other than a white shirt and suit and everything else. And here I'm in an Aloha shirt, and uh, you know things are different. So there's cultural change right there, and uh, people conduct business differently. But it's a practical way to do that when that's how they do. If, if you're in a suit. They look at you strangely, you know, say, hey, uh, you're a lawyer or something or what? So, so I think that's one thing. But uh, I wanted to give an example of the turbulence that you were talking about. Uh, I had served in the FBI as a senior executive for, for eight years, and, uh, and I was there when 9-11 happened. And, and let me just say this. It was amazing how the, co- the collaboration and cooperation in our country, it was fabulous with the FBI, the CIA, NSA, and everyone working together. And we prevented a lot of uh, bad things happening in the United States. But the change happened in terms of the FBI is really changing not only from the law enforcement mission to a counterterrorism and intelligence mission. And the, the level of uh, uh, unity and, 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 and focus was amazing. And I think that's the kind of thing that I've seen in, in that. It was a closed environment still in terms of, obviously, you know, we have to protect everything and share what you must. 
kind of thing, but we also had to make sure that all that happened. But I've also seen the open government environment, which is a new administration, which is also uh, phenomenal in terms of uh, share everything and protect what you must. And in that environment, uh, with the federal CIO uh, coming up with an open and transparent government under the president, it's been amazing. So I did a lot of those programs as well uh, through GSA and, and, and the White House. And um, my point is that both environments can work because these are two different sides of the coin. It's the approach. It's really the focus. But sometimes turbulence brings along people together. And that's similar to what we're doing in Hawaii. There's a real focus here to really bring it an, an, another way, aloha way, and getting people to work together to, you know, bring us back to where we need to be, to take the opportunity of being an open and transparent and a digital government where we can be more effective and efficient. And I think that's what people uh, resonate uh, and, and, and get to. Everyone wants something meaningful, as was said before. So that's what we're doing in Hawaii, and uh, it's really exciting. Now, one is self-preservation. This is for you, Dr. Duncan. Self-preservation is a natural human brain uh, makeup. And they would not always, when their, their personal lives or their families are, uh, their, their safety is at stake, they will not be talking about what else they should be doing. So when you have people who are getting impacted and some people who may be non-performers or some people who think that they're not well positioned within an organization uh, get, get managed out, if you will, and they don't know yet, it's not confirmed, but that's the fear, then you see such people posing more hindrances versus acting as a catalyst. So how do you make people to not get into a self-preservation mode and remain rational for the best, absolute best outcome. Is that even possible? And if yes, how? Well, I think it's not only possible, I think it's necessary. Uh, I would suggest, for example, a leader who's a sponsor who's trying to help bring about change, listen more and talk less. Engage people in conversations about their work. Ask them questions that prime the pump for real dialogue. For example, what gets in their way? What makes their work fulfilling to them? What concerns do they have? What could make things better for them? At this point, you're not in the judging mode. You're in the gathering mode. So we need to listen with empathy. We need to dig. Again, we keep using this term. We need to make it safe for people to express their views. We need to invite honest introspection. Uh, uh, often we can ask an open-ended question as simple as, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you change around here? Or if your best friend applied for a job here, what could you tell him to expect if he got hired? You ask those kind of questions and then really listen. Again, not with the intention to judge and certainly not with the intention to rebut, but to understand. It's amazing how open and honest people will be with you if they if they feel that they're not going to be punished for their openness and honesty. And then when you have that sort of open dialogue, uh, you're in a much better position to help people get themselves in a, a kind of a psychological place so that they are more inclined to participate in the change and contribute to it rather than resist it or undermine it. Now, what you just said, Dan, do you think we have to almost act like a parent? Because if I'm going to try to bring behavior change in my eight-year-old daughter, then would I be thinking the same way what I'm doing in an organization where people who are to be not exactly cradled, but allowed that, okay, you can talk, you speak your mind, you, you will not be given a timeout? 
And and once they speak, then you allay their fears, and that's how you go about bringing those people who otherwise would be stumbling blocks to 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 come and support this. Uh, you know, I, I think it's more you know about influencing and motivating than it is uh, uh, you know treating them as as a child, as as you phrased it. You know, we hadn't talked a whole lot about this, uh, uh, although. Roger hinted at it with cascading sponsorship, which is very, very important. You know, it's not just about your managers, your management team. It's also about the opinion leaders in the organization, and you know, they influence how other people feel about about the change effort. So they've got to be not just engaged, but they've got to own. And uh, what I've done in the past to ensure that happens is, you know, I do the best I can, sitting where I am, to paint a a, a, a vivid picture of future state and provide kind of a compelling reason for us getting there. But I leave uh, the, the, the belt out of the plan, so to speak, to those opinion leaders and, and that management team. Then they've got buy-in. Then they've got ownership. You know, it's not just Dan saying, we've got to go there. Now they own it. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, when we come back, Sonny, I'd like to ask you that if you had to uh, have a team where everybody is fully charged up, how would you make that happen in the first place? Because inevitably, we always have people who are kind of being dampers versus catalysts. And how do you prevent that team uh, from being uh, the team's integrity and the very sanity be jeopardized by introducing people who otherwise later on could be the rotten apples. But we, we come back, uh, when we come back, we talk about this and see how those uh, changes in the team dynamics could impact change as well. Please stay tuned. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Sunny, talking about the team, you want the team to be charged up about change and nobody should ideally be able to come and put a damper. But it does happen. So how do you proactively make sure that the teams and not one team, multiple teams, which are to influence each other in a positive way, it happens and by design, no expansions in that team uh, unintentionally 
bring in a rotten apple? So, you know, I was reading, uh, in addition to uh, Dr. Rogers' book, I was reading another book called Switch, How to Change Things When Change is Hard, by Chip Heath and Dan Heath. And in that, on page 19, there's a very interesting uh, segment, and I think, Sanjog, you and I probably have actually written an elephant. And it says, to change behavior, you've got to direct the writer, motivate the elephant, and shape the path. And if you can do all three at once, dramatic change can happen, even if you don't have lots of power or resources behind you. I'd like to submit a fourth. Not only do you have to uh, uh, direct the writer, the mahouts, motivate the elephant, and shape the path, you've got to watch out for the doo-doo. And the doo-doo is what I was wanted to add, that you have to watch out for all the other stuff that goes on, because as you mentioned, the rotten apples can bring a lot of uh, problems for, for us. There are three kinds of uh, people, I think, in the change, any change organization, and I, of course, defer to the doctor, but in my experiences, that's what I've seen. There's a first group, uh, about a third of the organization, that is absolutely eager, take me over, I want to change, let's go faster. There's another group on the fence. Yeah, let me just see how this is going to go. You know, I mean, I, I, if this is successful, I want to kind of switch over to this side. And there's a bottom third that sort of, uh, you know, hey, no matter what you do, you just hoping to get 10% more out of them because, as you mentioned, uh, kind of the rotten apples in a, in a way or, or uh, you know, party poopers, so to speak. Uh, I just think you got to engage uh, the, first, uh, the first two groups first and make sure that you can keep showing success and then everyone comes around it. Everyone wants to be on a team that shows some success and make things happen. And then they know that the people who are the naysayers, you know, will eventually uh, kind of, nobody wants to be with them. And I think that's the kind of thing that's going in. But what we're doing in Hawaii is also something larger. The wisdom of the ages here in Aloha Way is, is something that we can learn from tradition and how we do things. And that spirit of collaboration, cooperation, dialogue, and Aloha is something that uh, I'm learning as well. And we're all trying to work together to make it happen. Is it easy? No. We've got the same challenges. But what's happening is people are seeing that the success is the currency that they want to be on. And the meaningful stuff that they're doing for the citizens and residents of Hawaii is what drives them. And that's what that middle third wants to go and make that happen. So I just think you can still do that with this example of the rider and the elephant and the path. And, of course, we also got to watch out for that doo-doo. Awesome. Now, uh, Dan, do you have any uh, areas where you recommend uh, in terms of uh, making all these changes lasting a little longer than a flash in the pan? Well, I think you've got to deliver on the fundamentals, um, you know, not just uh, what, what might be the, the, uh, the most apparent change that you're trying to affect, which may be a, a new system or it may be a new process. Uh, you know, like I said before, it's, real change is from the inside out. You know, it's about attitudes, expectations, mindsets. Um, and I think in the case of, of our organization at TVA, uh, it's not going to be sustainable unless we we also roll out fundamental change at the process level and at, at the technology level. Um, and, you know, there's another aspect here. Change can fizzle out in the middle as well before you achieve success. And, you know, our, our transformation here at TVA we refer to as IT1K, and that's because it's a 1,000 days. Uh, people thought I was crazy when we laid that out, but with the, the amount of change we had to affect, it required that much time. And, uh, you know, how we've sustained it is, you know, communicate, communicate, communicate. So very often contrasting where we are today with where we were when we started. And, by the way, this is day 622. We keep that in front of everybody all the time. 
uh, and then just be relentless in pursuing uh, your end goal um, and celebrate celebrate all along the way. And I, I think that that's what uh, uh, builds the anticipation, creates the excitement, and gives people confidence along the way. Uh, so, um, now, Dr. Duncan, question for you, and this is one of the last questions we're going to ask, is if you were to go about uh, getting people, all of them, to huddle together and make the change lasting and also make it fun, are there any special areas that you have to uh, work on so that you're creating placeholders not only for the current change that you are uh, bringing about, but also you're paving the way for subsequent ones to become easier and easier. That's an excellent point. Part of the change leader's job is not only to bring about success with the current change effort, but to create a culture where people will be more likely to succeed with subsequent change efforts. And that requires focusing on very specific behaviors. We need to be very explicit about them. I'll give you an example from Dan's environment, and he, he might not even realize that I noticed this, and I haven't seen Dan for more than a year, but one time I was at TVA and in a conference room real, right near Dan's office. I noticed on the table, or a, a nearby table, were um, little uh, stuffed animals, and I inquired about them, and, and I was told, and, and Dan wasn't there that day, but I was told that uh, the organization had had some challenges with meeting behaviors, like many organizations do. Think how much time you spend in meetings. So Dan and his team resolved to model the behaviors that they expect in other people, and they do it with small stuffed animals. And So if someone is behaving like a bully, a colleague will toss a gorilla into his lap. If someone is hogging the time, he'll get a pig in his lap. If someone is throwing out a lot of bull, he gets the cow. And if someone needs to speed things up, the rabbit is going to be his new friend. And the donkey is tossed to anyone who's behaving like, well, you get the idea. Now, this is a simple and fun way to keep meeting participants focused on the agreed-upon behaviors that produce effective meetings. And uh, I, I thought that was a brilliant example of how to, how to have fun while we are holding each other accountable for the agreed-upon behaviors that we know will help us be successful. So I, 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 I agree that, especially in the, in the IT world, uh, we have a lot of focus on processes. Uh, and both Dan and Sonny have mentioned the importance of the people part frequently, and I think that's critical. And that's all about behaviors. And the more we reinforce very explicitly the behaviors that produce success, the better we're prepared for subsequent change initiatives. So, Jogi, yeah, may, no. may, may I add a point? 30 seconds, yes. Yeah, uh, just real quick. I think the main thing is, uh, first of all, you've got to add an elephant to that collection. And second <laughs> is, you really got to get the stakeholders involved. And I think the stakeholders can make a big difference. And stakeholders could be all types. So I, I, I fully agree with what's been said. 
On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Duncan, Sonny, and Dan, for sharing your thoughts. It looks like that we all want the change to happen as a smooth sailing ride. Sometimes there could be some turbulence, but that, it seems, is something that comes as part of the, the, the package, if you will. But if you can work through it and make everybody come together, then you, there'll be a lot of benefits we can get out of it. Thank you so much again, all of you. Thank you, Sanjay. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, listeners, hope you liked what you heard today. Please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions.